Welcome back to People Analytics. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton. Today I have with me Neil Katz, who is the founder and CEO of Exceptional HR Solutions. Welcome, Neil. How are you? I'm good, Lindsay. Good morning. And how are you? I am. I'm doing really well on this Wednesday. Can't complain. So let's get into it. So tell our audience who you are, what you do, and why you do it. Absolutely. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I'm super excited to talk with you and the audience and get to know some folks. And I'll tell you a little bit about my background. Um, Neil Katz, I've been in human resources for over 25 years. Um, I've done everything from startups to growing, scaling businesses to international HR support. Um, been doing this for, as I said, 25 years. Love what I do. Love the ability to support and help people. And late last year, Decided to expand my career and horizons and moved into fractional HR and started Exceptional HR Solutions late last year. So excited to see the growth of that, where we provide fractional HR support to small to medium-sized growing companies. Um, Additionally, benefits, compensation, training, development, and inclusive uh, executive coaching, which I've been doing for about 15 years now. Congrats on on the growth, on founding your business. So tell me a little bit about the steps you took to found your business. Well, Lindsay, it's a great question. Um, finding, starting and creating a business is not an easy endeavor. And I've been in, in this for about seven months now, and I've learned a lot from a lot of great mentors, colleagues, friends. Um, and it's it's that endeavor to make the decision that I wanted to provide a niche that really fundamentally doesn't exist in the HR arena, which is fractional HR, which is providing the head of HR background and skills of 25 plus years to companies that need me 5, 10, 15, 20 hours a month. And that ability to support them. And it's been challenging, exciting, exhilarating. Met some amazing folks and people. Learned a lot. I'm stumbled here and there, as we all do as you scale and grow a business. But so far, we're doing well and looking forward to the growth and expansion that we'll see in the second half of this year. That's awesome. And from what I've seen, fractional talent is so useful for businesses. Have you found the same thing with your business? Absolutely, Lindsay. It's amazing because, you know, when you you have this concept and this business idea to say, I want to create something that's not there. And I've mentioned this to a few folks early on and I thought, okay, you always get somebody says, well, I'm not really sure. I still haven't met a person yet that doesn't think this is an amazing idea. The ability to provide that supplemental partial support when the business is needed. And as they scale and grow, we scale and grow with them. So that ability to fill that void that was there has just been amazing. And I look forward to continuing to see fractional HR as an industry, um, a service line providing that support. And really the reality is I'm looking forward to bringing on some colleagues to my business to provide additional people opportunities to help them really support multiple companies. And it's amazing exciting challenge. Mm -hmm. So I'm technically a fractional worker. I I have a lot of uh, clients and projects on my plate. And what I love is how much I learn just by working with different people in different industries. Are you finding the same thing in in your business? Lindsay, exactly that. Um, The ability to learn about new companies and new industries. I've done everything from manufacturing to retail, to um, nonprofits, 
to growing e-commerce companies. Um, it's been amazing. What's fascinating for me and Lindsay, I'm sure you see the same thing is as you do fractional, there's days where you'll work with three, four, five companies in a single day. And the ability to cross from one industry to another or one challenge to another has been fascinating and exciting. And for me, I absolutely see the needs for this fractional support for companies and the ability to hire and scale it is so helpful that, you know, they might not be able to afford a full-time role in one of these opportunities, but they need that support. And this is where we come in and fill that void for them. Yeah, because just because you can't afford a full-time role doesn't mean you don't have to have it. There are other options in which is you're providing that solution. That's awesome. It's, it's been amazing, and I look forward to the continued growth of it. And that's that's been the fun part, met, meeting and interacting with organizations and companies and leaders. Um, and as you said, learning so much about new industries um, and new challenges. But I will tell you, in all of that, many of these organizations are still facing mostly the same challenges and opportunities. So I want to talk about the importance of executive coaching, because I recently had a conversation with someone who, you know, seeks out executive coaching, seeks out, um, you know, before things get bad. And she said it has helped immensely. So I feel like people, they get to a point where they're like, oh, I can't do this without a coach. What is, you know, how, how does bringing in a coach when things are good? help for the future? I think it's with anything we do. Executive coaching is such a critical component. And what you would see, and as you meet and interact with executives across many industries and companies, the vast majority of successful growing leaders have an executive coach, will continue to have executive coaches, and many of them will have them for years years. Uh, I love listening as I love being interviewed for podcasts. I love listening to podcasts. And some of the ones I've listened to recently are senior executives that have either founded, started, or grown successful companies. And every single one of them has talked about executive coaching. To me, executive coaching is a critical component to help that executive, that leader, that manager, that individual contributor understand where they are, understand the challenges. The two things I always hone in on for what is executive coaching do is it's your accountability partner and it helps you be the reflection in the mirror. And sometimes that you don't want to see, but helps you work through those challenges. And when you establish clear, measurable goals with your executive coach, you're able to achieve so much more when you can face those honest challenges that you're dealing with and working with that accountability partner of your executive coach to work through those. Yeah. And I also really value the importance of bringing in fresh eyes because with executives, with employees, they're there every day. They're seeing the same people doing the same. You're just so in it that you need those those fresh eyes to come in and give you a view that you can't see yourself. Exactly. And Lindsay, I think the best thing I, I, I tell all of my clients is your friends and family love you but they're not going to provide you that honesty that you necessarily need from a business environment. And I say, you're always welcome to ask friends and family and colleagues, but the reality is you need to ask yourself and be honest with yourself. And I've called many of my clients out on things and I'm like, this is what you're saying and this is what you're speaking and this is what you're doing. Is this really what you want? No, it's not. I'm like, but talk and this is exactly what you're saying. And it really helps them realize those opportunities and those blind spots and those areas for growth and development. And we work with them week over week, month over month 
And it's amazing the growth I've seen in every executive I've coached and every leader and every individual I've coached, the ability to grow and develop and really move to that next level, professionally speaking, has just been amazing. I haven't, I've had one client that was moderately successful and the other 99% of my clients that have been wildly successful. And as, as I say, 99% is a great outcome for uh, the clients I coach with. Yeah. So going back to client, you know, diversity, you work with all kinds of executives. So tell me a little bit about, um, you know, who you work with. So Lindsay, I've worked with recent college graduates through chairmans of the board and all levels in between CEOs, C-suites, VPs, senior VPs, directors, managers. What I like to do is I like to work with clients that have a challenge they're faced with, an opportunity or success they're achieving, and they're new in their role and they want to grow through that and they want to make sure they have an objective partner to help them through that. So I've worked with all levels of leaders throughout the globe and the ability to support them and help them through their challenges and to be that partner with them and to be honest and help them call out and be there to support them when they need it. And be there when they de- when they really sometimes don't want to face that challenge, but they know they need to, and really working with them. And that's been the both of those have been amazing. But just the ability to really connect and build that relationship with them, be objective and supportive and helpful, and pushing them so they know they need it. Because the reality is, we all need to know that we're succeeding and achieving success. That's our most of our goals. Uh, we want to do well. We don't wake up going, I don't want to be successful today. And the executive coach that journey. Yeah. And you use the word relationship, which is exactly what it is, because it's not, it's both parties, uh, because the the executive, they need to be a person that seeks out growth in order for it to work. So how do you, you know, look for those kind of people that are growth seekers? So I think for me, Lindsay, most, if not all of my clients have come to me. Um, and mm. I think that's really what you see for growth seekers is the ability for that person to come forward to say, my first stage of growth is I recognize I need a coach. And yeah. that's one of the best successful things I've seen is the people reaching out to me usually through LinkedIn or other mechanisms, colleagues, networks to say, I'm looking for an executive coach and I've heard you do this. Can we talk? And I'm like, absolutely. And that's the first step to find that growth leaders, the growth mindset, the growth ability, the ability to develop oneself. And one of the things I like to clarify here is growth is not necessarily just position growth. Mm -hmm. Growth, Growth of the individual at times in the role, if they're new to the role or they're existing in the role and they're facing some challenges, Growth doesn't always necessarily equate to moving to the next level. Many times it does. And many of the leaders I've worked with have grown into the next level because of that growth mindset. So that ability to find what growth looks like. I think the key really begins with the person having the drive and the momentum. Yeah. Usually the best clients I've worked with, the ones that are encouraged and or required to go through coaching can be a bit more challenging. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So when, um, you know, your clients come to you and you get to know them, what are some trends and, you know, challenges and pain points that you've noticed? I think the biggest pain point I see first is establishing where they are and understanding that, but then developing the plans, the goals, and the strategies to move through what is next for them, whether it be development of a specific task, whether it be a 
challenge of a relationship they have, whether they're trying to improve their leadership development. Some of those are the very common themes. And also for that leader to be able to have a trusted advisor that they could speak candidly and honestly with. And over time, you build that relationship. One of the clients I've worked with was talking with this individual and we were going through and there've been a couple of calls and meetings that we've kind of conversed and this leader brought the same challenge up. And I said, you brought the same challenge up in the last few months, three different times. Well, it's getting better. Is it really? Because I'm not hearing that. And it's really calling them out and letting them hear what they're not hearing themselves and being that reflection for them to help them and then pushing them through that to face it and address it and work through it. It's a very common theme. The other most common theme I see is people want to be successful. And at times they feel like they're not. So helping them understand where they are helping them address some of those conversations they need to have, whether it be with their subordinates, their colleagues, or their bosses, and helping them work through those conversations and help them practice and feel confident and comfortable with it has been very helpful. Yeah. And, you know, being people focused is another aspect of uh, being an executive too. So, uh, you know, where, where, how do you work with your clients to help them focus more on their people? I think for me, it's naturally part of the conversation. One, I've been in human resources for 25 years, so they kind of expect it. But two, if you really think as a executive, as a leader, as a growing leader, the more you do becomes around the people and the people support, the people leadership, the people development, the people encouragement, the people retention. And what I do is I work with the leaders and we talk through what are the challenges they're facing. And I can tell you, I've had leaders come and say, I'm not hitting my sales target or I need to grow this product line. But really what you come down to is as you dig past the cursory issue that comes to begin with, you really find what the real challenge is. And that's the ability to interact, engage and lead effective teams, whether it be hiring, onboarding, development, retention, or separation of people that aren't working. It all centers around people. And as you move through leadership levels and become higher level leaders, if you really ask most leaders, they'll tell you they're spending 60, 70, 80% of their week focused in some form or fashion in that people development arena, engagement, people retention arena. And it's really helping them recognize that that the more time you put into the people, the greater the return of investment you get. Yeah. So what do you think the disconnect between executives and subordinates lies? I think the biggest disconnect is understanding your leaders and understanding what motivates them, what's important to them. One of the things I take a unique approach from a business perspective is I believe human resources and operations or business work together seamlessly, and many people see them as separate. And I think the key really comes down to the ability for subordinates to understand what's important to the leader, what does that leader need to be successful, what are they looking for, and then for that leader to truly understand their people, their team. Really, the number one thing an employee wants from their leader, their time. You can throw money, you can throw gifts, you can throw incentives, and they're all nice and they're great. But at the end of the day, a dedicated, active listening, engaged, time-focused leader that cares about that individual as a whole person is the best leaders I've seen. And ultimately, that's what the employee wants. The leaders struggle because they don't believe they have the time. 
And some of the best mm-hmm. leaders in the world, if you really look, are people-centered, servant-modeled leaders that really focus on supporting and serving their team. And when you serve your team, you invest in your team, whether it be time, energy, money, development, growth, the greater the return you'll get. I, I love that. I just interviewed someone who has the same mindset and use, you know, serve um, and views people, the people world as a service oriented field. So I really like that, that you use that as well. It is. It's very much, I mean, as I say, the more we grow in the company scale and achieve financial success, they have to remember success comes through people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one thing that um, you do is you also rely on analytics to help improve the culture and the people experience overall. So tell me about how analytics can unlock information for you. So I think it's it's interesting, Lindsay, as, as you and I talked before we, we schedule our, our podcast together, it really got me thinking is what is analytics to people and how do they correlate? What I've realized is analytics is the bridge between operational-minded individuals and the people. It's the bridge point to say, how do you get leaders to understand the people part of the business? It's analytics. Mm-hmm. Operational successful leaders and executives understand metrics and they understand numbers. They understand the exceptional well. It's how they built and scaled and grown their business. So what I do is I take the analytics of the people, bring that bridge over for them to understand how do people analytics support that. And the two most key analytics I always have supported and held on to is turnover and engagement. Those are usually two key ones. Um, how engaged is your workforce and what is the level of turnover? And really, if you fundamentally, I've had leaders push me and say, Neil, you get one, you get only one metric. What would it be? It would be engagement because the more engaged your workforce is, the better that you'll have decreased turnover. You'll have better, you'll have better retention. Those are outcomes of true levels of exceptional engagement. And you will see the most successful businesses are the ones that understand engagement, what's important to their employees and their people, and how to use those engagement metrics to drive outcomes and results. Yeah. So how do you measure engagement? Many people measure engagement. There's probably 50 to 500 different ways to measure engagement. Usually (laughs) what I'll do is I'll measure engagement through some type of employee survey. And what I will do is use that survey time and time again. Usually I'll do it twice a year, annual basis, and then six months later. But one of the things that we've started doing in the last few years is we'll do what we call little pulse surveys, which is one to two questions throughout a week or a month just to kind of assess where things are going at that time. So rather than waiting every six months to see a needle move, and let's be real, in the pace of economy and the rate of business change and evolution today, we can't wait six months. For yeah. metric changes. So the pulse survey is a very quick way to assess and evaluate one to two specific questions to kind of see how is the needle moving in the interim. Um, so there's great tools and great companies out there that provide some type of what I would call pulse survey or pulse assessment. And it's very quick, um, live results. Leaders can see it. A lot of companies will use it also if they're doing large change initiatives or large announcements, if they've announced a new benefit a new change, um, new scheduling, a new work from home, something of that nature, you can do a quick pulse survey to see where 
feeling and the mood of your employee population is related to that change. So annually, semi-annual employee engagement surveys, and then poll surveys in between to provide that real kind of more current live results. I've actually had leaders move to weekly, single question weekly poll surveys, just to get a temperature check of their, their employee population of how things are going. Yeah. And that is so simple. I mean, you you take all the questions over six months from the poll surveys and add them up. And that's overwhelming for an employee to, to view and go through. But if you ask them a question, you know, once a week, that's not overwhelming at all. It, it, they can get it done quickly. Um, so I really like how you you break up that that feedback that way. And it's just been so helpful. Also, it's helpful for leaders to see results and metrics or analytics tied more real time. Um, some of the better platforms I've seen, literally, you can log into a portal and watch the needle move over time. Um, I've seen it done where you'll have like an all hands meeting. When you throw up a question, you're all hands meeting. And in that meeting, you're literally watching the results come through to understand what the people, your employees are thinking and feeling related to a specific question. Yeah. So you also have a little bit of experience in retail and you utilized uh, overtime to measure. Um, so can you talk a little bit about using that metric? Oh, yeah. Overtime is a great metric because there's so much to be said about overtime. And what's interesting about overtime is uh, I actually work with two companies now that we, we track and trend overtime and ask ourselves, what's the impact of overtime on our people? And what we've learned is Overtime is great and it's time and a half and people make more money. But the challenge you run into is the more people work overtime, the greater your chances of burning your employees out. So it's mm-hmm. important to understand and watch the measure of overtime. What departments, what teams, what individuals are doing it, what's causing it, what are the factors and how do we, how do we as leaders and HR professionals support that population to really lower the overtime? It's an expense the company doesn't need. And it's usually, generally speaking, a negative impact for your employees in the sense that you're asking to work more than they expected. And if you do it for extended periods of time, you're increasing your burnout and you're decreasing your engagement. Mm-hmm. So just because I'm curious, what did cause it or what are some factors that do contribute to increased overtime? Usually, generally speaking, there's two common factors. One's great, which is business growth, and you don't have the talent to support that business growth yet. So you need supplemental overtime, and that's understandable. The second factor is turnover. People left the organization, um, they're exiting, and it takes on average anywhere from one to three months from the point somebody resigns to fill a position, generally speaking. Now, there are chances you can fill it quicker and sooner, but generally speaking, it takes time. And even if you fill the position in two weeks, you still have that window of onboarding that takes that person to get up to full capabilities and skills. So generally, the factor that causes overtime generally is turnover. And so you have multiple contributing factors causing turnover, burnout, over time. So it's, that's where retention and engagement is such critical metric to businesses because it'll predict kind of what's coming in the future. If you see over time now, you know your potential for burnout has absolutely increased and turnover will potentially increase over a period of time as well. So being in the industry 25 years, you've seen a lot of trends, you know, especially with technology, of course, being growing as rapidly as it has. What, is, what are some recent trends um, that you're noticing now? 
The biggest trend everyone talks about today is the work from home or hybrid work. That trend, I think many of us are still waiting to see the final outcome of where that will land. I do believe if you ask today where I think it'll land on July 20th, I think it's going to land in a world of hybrid. I think we'll have versions of people working in the office, people working from home. I do think you'll have some full remote roles as well. But at the end of the day, the ability to interact and engage with people outside of a camera as we're doing today um, will continue to do. And that has always been there. That trend hasn't changed. Ability to have that face time with your colleagues, your subordinates, and your executives is important. And that still has not changed. But the most current trend and evolution is the work from home. And it's important to many people. And it's changed our productivity, it's changed our work environment. And none of us are 100% sure exactly what that's going to look like over the next two to four years yet. But it's, it's heading towards a hybrid world, which is a great place and it's great flexibility. And that trend has not changed either. The ability for employees to have flexibility in the workplace, work environment, and the work schedules, and the work locations has been and continues to be something that leading companies are making a difference on and they're finding those initiatives and opportunities to create those environments that really engage and retain the talent. And with any trends, there's going to be pushback from some groups. And what we're, we've witnessed um, are executives, you know, we've seen Netflix, Goldman Sachs, Tesla most recently pushing back on remote hybrid options. Have you run into that with any of the executives that you work with? Absolutely. And many of the companies I've worked with, I've had executives say, there will be no hybrid. There will be no remote. It will be in the office five days a week. And that's our expectations. And I've had people push back to say, well, that's just wrong. Well, it might be wrong for you, might not be right for your needs or your family's needs and understandably. But at the end of the day, if that executive believes it and supports and understands it, that's what needs to be. We can argue it, we can debate it. But at the end of the day, they are the executive making those final leadership decisions. And as I say, there are companies that do provide hybrid and remote. And that's where we've seen this. I know Tesla's made quite a bit of news on that one recently. Yeah. Um, Elon Musk has made the decision that he feels it's best for his organization. And it's okay. That doesn't mean then Tesla's the right place for everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, it's easier to change your job than try to change the system within your current job, for sure. And that is what I have learned in my career. Absolutely. And, and again, we all need to be happy and enjoy what we do. And when we do, it's the best environment for both the employer and the employee. Yeah. I just think that, you know, employer and employee, they both need to be aware that hey, you know, if if this isn't going to change, then I'm out. <laughs> and so, you know, I think the, the executives have to be aware of the kind of talent that they do want. And, you know, it all comes down to culture. You know, what are your values? You know, how does that fit? I, I think it really comes down to finding the right relationship in the place you want to work. And it's the culture. Yeah. What's that place that gives you the greatest joy and energy? And there's no such thing as the perfect job. There's the ideal job. Jobs are really good or great, but there's no perfect job. There's always going to be something that could be evolved and changed. And we just have to ex understand what, what are the key critical factors for you as an employee and find that organization that fits those key ones. 
Yeah. I mean, the first decade of my career was just trying to figure out what fit for me, you know, my brain, my working style. And I think, you know, that that's a lot. It's a lot for executives and employees to try to figure out. And that's the journey many of us are in. That's going back to executive yeah. coaching. That's really what an executive coach will do is help you work through those components and understand what's right for you and how that best supports you and your needs. Yeah. And so I feel like, you know, there are some people out there that may look at executive coaching like, oh, I need help. It's weakness, but it's not. It's making you stronger. So um, can you share like how, you know, the benefits of seeking help, um, you know, whether you're an executive or anyone just asking for help? Asking for help. And in the world, one of the things that I think has come out of some of the things in the last few years is the ability to understand our mental health and the ability to ask for help through mental health. And executive coaching is not much different. The ability to understand that no one has all the answers and all the resources and knowledge they need. Executive coaching provides that. Executive coaching helps you understand where you are and helps you establish goals and objectives to achieve that success in partnership. And I will tell you, my clients will come in and say, I need help with this. And we get through that. And they're like, okay, now what? I'm like, well, what do you want to work on next? And we work through the next goal. And it's amazing to watch the growth and development. Um, I have individuals, I've been coaching four or five years. And it's amazing to look at them four or five years ago. And I look at them today and I ask them to look at themselves and say, do you see growth and development? It's amazing to see, to look back and reflect on the successes they've achieved. And every one of my clients that says, I couldn't have done this without executive coaching. We all That's need so to awesome. know it's, it, it's, a, it's a resource to help us move beyond where we are and get to that next level. And it's amazing when you can get there. Yeah, yeah, because what's what's better, trying something on your own and banging your head against the wall over and over and over or recognizing, hey, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm at a crossroad, so let's bring someone in. Exactly. And knowing when you have a partner and somebody that's dedicated, as I say, my number one goal as an executive coach is the goals of my clients. And when I guarantee you, I can help you achieve your goals and objectives and work through those. And I am, my only goal is for your success in these goals. It's nice to know you have a small team helping you achieve that success. That is awesome. Well, Neil, I feel like you're a great resource for a lot of our audience members. So if they want to reach out and learn more about what you do and get to know you, what's the best way to do so? The best way is either to reach out to me on LinkedIn, probably LinkedIn is my best, um, either my Neil Katz uh, on LinkedIn, or also um, you can search Exceptional HR uh, Solutions on LinkedIn as well. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Amazing. So before we wrap up, do you have any final words of wisdom you'd like to leave our audience with? I think my final word is, Find an executive coach for you, the ability to grow and develop as an individual, as a manager, leader, and executive, along with a partner to help you achieve that success is amazing. And I'd be more than happy to work with any one of your uh, listeners today and help them on that journey and help them achieve their career growth and success. Well, thank you so much, Neil, for this time. This chat was really insightful and has a lot of good nuggets for our, our audience. I really, really appreciate it. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much. And it has been a great interview and I appreciate your time. And I look forward to staying connected with you and your audience as we move forward.
Yeah. So if you or anyone you know is like Neil, who's really passionate about helping people grow, helping develop the people space, reach out to me, lindsay at staffgeek.com. Thank you for listening to Staff Geek's People Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Patton, and I'm always looking to interview leaders who put people first. If you or someone you know lead with a people-first mindset, please email me at lindsay at staffgeek.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y at staffgeek.com. If you want to take things a step deeper and understand your organization's true culture DNA, I encourage you to take Staff Geek's free culture assessment. Just head to staffgeek.com and click the button that says free culture assessment. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.